Welcome to the Fantasy End Podcast, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. Welcome to the Fantasy End. Welcome to the Fantasy Inn Podcast. I'm Sarah, and this episode is about romance in the fantasy genre. With me today, uh, Travis and Genia. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. Uh, before we start, let's uh, have a quick chat about what we're reading right now. So I'll start. I'm currently reading Dark Dawn by Jay Kristoff on audiobook. It's the last book of the Nevernight Chronicle. And it's going to destroy me because it's very, very sad. I just reached 70%-ish of the book and it's getting intense and shit hit the fan. So (laughs) I'm not sure how I'm going to be at the end of the book because I spent the last um, evening crying in my bed. So it's pretty sad. Oh no! Yeah, it's not like I wasn't expecting people to suffer in this book and bad shit to happen but it it caught me unaware somehow because i i was genuinely shocked i thought jake christoph couldn't shock me anymore but he can and he did so yeah it's a good book it's just pretty intense i forgot how it feels to lose characters that you're attached to but it's been a while i read wholesome books now uh, how about you guys? How about you, Jen? Uh, so I'm technically reading this book called Flights by Olga Takarczuk. It's a Polish book that's translated into uh, English, but I'm reading it translated into Russian, where it's called Biguni. And it's a it's it's a fiction book, not not a fantasy book, which is a collection of very short uh, stories and sometimes sometimes they're just a few pages sometimes they're a bit longer all around the theme of travel and wandering and uh, journeys and things like that so it's about i don't know one one short story could be about being stuck in an airport for a really long time and one could be just you know musings about uh about meeting people in a train and things like that and because I'm a person who travels quite a bit, I, I really, I feel like I, some things that she says really resonate with me, some things mirror my experiences or thoughts, and some things are just an interesting way of looking at these, at, at the topic of travel. But because I'm reading it in Russian, I'm really slow. Um, so I, I could have also read it in English. Technically, it's translated either way for me. But I thought the Russian would be a little bit closer in terms of uh, like sentence structure and so on. Because it's they're both Slavic languages. But in a way, it's just making it really slow for me. Because <laughs> it's, it's not so easy. Like, it's not just for fun. It's also like work in a way. And that's why I'm a little like, I need to get back into this book. <laughs> But yeah, but I really recommend it. It won the International Man Booker Prize uh, a year or two ago. Oh, it sounds really comforting in a way. Yeah, there's so it's it's like there's a lot of things about travel there, but then there's also a lot about things like just weird curiosities, like weird things you find in museums and weird like kind of death related sad 
things, but like weird death related, like, I don't know, people dying of weird disease or whatever. And so, I don't know, it's just like, it's yeah, a very it's strange book. Yeah, it's not It's a really yeah. interesting book, but um, yeah, <laughs> but not, not, not the sort of thing that you read uh, for fun when you're like, I don't know, stressed out a little bit from real life stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Trav? Um, yeah, so at the moment, I, and this isn't going to be just one book, I'm going to list the whole trilogy, uh, <laughs> The Wounded Kingdom by R.J. Barker. Uh, and I say trilogy and not a specific book because I started the first book earlier this week or so, and I'm now like a third of the way through the final book. Wow. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's because I've had time to listen in audio, and the audio narration is fantastic. Uh, and I've also been listening on 2.05 speed, which for me oh is a record. Oh my god, 2.05. Uh, for, <laughs> yeah, for some of you, I realize that's not that much, but for me, that's a lot. But I just have to get more of the series as fast as I can, so that's what I've been doing. And I guess for me, I love how the main character, Gurton, is basically a badass crippled assassin who's a ball of emotional turmoil and bad decisions. Uh, so since... The books are more structured like mystery novels or crime novels than your standard epic fantasy. Uh, there's more sleuthing and detective work going around than actual stabbing or assassinating. And there's giant war deer who fight with like razor sharp antlers. So that's just scientifically proven to be awesome. <laughs> that's so RJ. Yeah, it really is. Apparently, he has a thing for antlers. Uh, so that definitely yeah, comes yeah. through in the books. <laughs> and depending on timing, uh, whenever this episode releases, we might have just interviewed RJ. Oh my God. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and the Bond ships will be out. The, the first book of his new trilogy will be out um, in a few days, I think, the 24th. Yes. So for all of, of you September. listeners, it has been <laughs> for all of you listeners, the book The Bone Chips has been out for a while now. Uh, so hopefully you've gotten the chance to pick it up and read it because I'm sure it'll be great. That's what I'm going to be listening to next. Yeah, and our first our first episode of the podcast is out. <laughs> Whatever you're listening to this. <laughs> it was actually pretty cool. I just want to say like it was a really nice response. I think a lot nicer than what we expected. People are very like enthusiastic about it, which is really sweet. So now we're going to be more confident in our podcasting. <laughs> And I don't know what we expected, really, because I was hoping people wouldn't just tell us we were terrible and we should give up completely. But uh, people have been so great about the whole thing. So thank you, everyone. So uh, let's talk about romance. But first, a small disclaimer. Uh, we are going to talk about romantic fantasy and romantic subplots in other genres of fantasy. Um, but we're probably not going to broach the subject of paranormal romance or YA romance because um, I'm not sure for you guys, but it has been a while since I last picked up a PNR book or YA romance book. I read a um, Hawaii romance book. Oh, yeah, you yeah. did. <laughs> An Enchantment of Ravens. Okay, I'm so not going cute. to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Paranormal romance was going to be like left uh, aside <laughs> for this podcast, unfortunately, but uh, we're not um, experts on this, I guess, mm -hmm. or just 
uh, knowledgeable about it. But maybe one day we could have somebody on who knows about it. I mean, yeah, so much to I'm say, not right? sure. Yeah, yeah M- it's maybe like this huge sub Yeah, maybe, maybe she could say a few stuff about it. Um, I'm not a PNR fan because it's a mix between the two sub subgenres I like the least: urban fantasy and contemporary romance. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, basically a mix of things I don't like that much. <laughs> um, I was supposed to create a structure for this podcast, but I am, <laughs> as ever, a procrastinator, so I didn't. Should we just start maybe with uh, a romance book we liked recently, a romance fantasy book, and then talk about, and then let's see where it goes from there? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you can start with um, YAQT1. Great, so I recently read An Enchantment of Ravens, and this is a YA romance, uh, which is about a young woman who gets uh, taken... Well, okay, wait a second. So the setting is that there's this little community of people who live not in the human world, but not really in the fairy world. They live kind of between those two. And in this little community, everybody or a lot of people are artisans of some kind because fairies in this world cannot create anything like they can do no no creative thing, which includes everything from cooking there. They can't cook to painting or uh, writing stories or whatever. So there's no creative things happening in the fairy court, but the fairy people really like that sort of thing. So that's why they pay humans to make it for them. Uh, So for example, um, this main character, she's an artist and uh, fairies will come and commission her for portraits of themselves. And oh yeah, and if and if they do do creative things, then like they actually die. <laughs> like at some point, one of the characters who's a okay. fairy tries to cook something because they didn't realize it's that bad, and then he's just like holding a piece of meat over a fire or something, and then like he starts dying. <laughs> so I don't know; it doesn't really make sense in a way, but whatever. The point is that uh, she gets commissioned to draw the fairy prince, and the fairy prince is like he's actually really sad inside or something and she draws him with like sadness in his eyes and then everybody in the fairy court thinks that he's like a weakling and a and a and a wimp and stuff like that and so they want to like take him down now and so he's really mad at her so he comes like because he thinks she's trying to sabotage him um so he like comes and he kidnaps her and takes him to this fairy court thing um and the whole thing is just them like traveling together and then like they first like he realizes that she's not trying to sabotage him and she realizes that he is not a creep and a weirdo and whatever and it's just really 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 fluffy and it's really 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 cute and I think this is my favorite kind of romance relationship in a way in books it's just I don't need there to be a lot of drama I don't need there to be a lot of angst I just want there to be like they look at each other and then they realize the other person likes them and like <laughs> just fluff. Fluff is what I want. <laughs> so so that's I really, really recommend it. Um, one more time. It's called An Enchantment of Raymonds and it's written by Margaret Rogerson. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I have downloaded a sample. Yes, do it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds so good. 
Yeah. For me, the latest dramatic fantasy book I've read was the uh, Clock Tower War Biology by T. Kingfisher. So the two books are called The Wonder and uh, the Clockwork Boys first and The Wonder Engine for the second one. And it's a mix, uh, a, a pretty good mix between comedy fantasy, romance fantasy, and pure adventure fantasy. And T. Kingfisher is really good at these kind of mix. So it's basically the story of a suicide mission. It's like the Suicide Squad, basically, because you have a bunch of criminals sent to uh, sabotage like these machines that are sent by an enemy nation. To do that, they need to understand where they're coming from. They're called the Clockwork Boys, and they're basically these unbeatable, huge machines that destroy everything in their path. And so uh, the team is composed uh, of a paladin who was uh, convicted of murder because he was possessed by a demon and he killed a bunch of nuns. Okay. Uh, a forger. Yeah. <laughs> he's so cute. But he's a murderer. But he's adorable. <laughs> uh, a forger uh, who is convicted of forgery. An assassin. And um, I think it was a priest or um, some kind of, uh, like, how is it called when it's, uh, he was le- he's learning to be a priest. He's um, a novice, uh, an apprentice. An acolyte. An acolyte, novice. yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, he's not a criminal. He's just curious and he wants to go on an adventure. Uh, and the romance is between the paladin and the forger. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's cute. Uh, yeah, and the paladin is um, filled with guilt uh, and he's uh, scared about the demon. The demon inside him is dead. Oh. But uh, he's, yeah, but he's still scared because sometimes you have, uh, he has these, the corpse of the demon inside him has these moments of, uh, um, like, he, it awakes again and he's so scared he's going to kill again. And the forger, uh, she's a badass. Um, she's a bit scared about her final destination to the enemy nation because she made a few enemies there. Um, and there's a buttload of romance tropes in this book. Um, and for someone who doesn't read romance, it can be confusing sometimes. Like, there's only one bed in the inn. (laughs) And however are they going to do so uh yeah it's it's cute and it's uh the entire two books almost the entirety of the two books it's uh, uh will they won't they so it can be a bit frustrating if you don't like that but it's uh it's hilarious and it's really cute um so that was the latest uh romantic fantasy i've read and seeking fisher is uh, really good at this she also wrote sword hearts i want to read that mm-hmm yeah, it's it, it's um, if you read the uh, the Clock Tower War duology and Sword Hearts, it's almost the same themes, almost the same kind of relationship between uh, the two protagonists. Um, she's like she's a specialist of this kind of uh, mix between the genres. Seeking Fisher is the um, is one of the pseudonyms of Ursula Vernon, who is a Hugo winning author. So that's that. <laughs> I read a short story of hers uh, recently in The Mythic Dream, uh, which is like a, the anthology with um, 
where everybody rewrites uh, myths or adds to myths and so on. And uh, her story was one of my favorites there. So it was about Hercules and it was really, really funny. So I'm actually really excited to get to her. She writes, I mean, like, is I know Sword Heart is like also funny, right? Is um... Yeah, yeah, it's the same, basically. It's, uh, it's, it's um, comedy fantasy mixed with uh, romance, mixed with epic slash quest fantasy. Okay. So um, it's basically the same as the drama mix. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> what about you, Travis? Yeah, uh, so <laughs> the most recent romance fantasy book I read is The Infinite Noise by Lauren Shippen. And so for any of you who are familiar with the Bright Sessions podcast, it's probably one of the more well-known audio dramas out there. And this is Lauren Shippen, the creator of the podcast's novelization of one of the key relationships in the first couple seasons. So most of the book takes place at a modern day high school and the main character, Caleb, is the star of his high school football team. And he's just coming to terms with the fact that he has empath powers. So he can feel the emotions of everyone around him. And the other main character, Adam, is kind of this brilliant loner who struggles with depression. He's kind of an outcast because he's not that social. And the story is sort of the two of them finding each other and completing each other. So Adam's really strong emotions draw Caleb since he's an empath and he can sense what he's feeling. And over time, they sort of, I guess, build each other up, uh, help each other out through a lot of the hard times that high school teenagers can go through in general, uh, which are compounded by the fact that Caleb's struggling with his, it's not really a superpower because there's nothing all that super about it, but let's just call it, I guess, a power. And Caleb is able to sense Adam's emotions and give him the space he needs and the time he needs and just kind of a shoulder to lean on when he needs support. So it's phenomenal. It's a slow burn romance featuring teenagers who are way more mature than most teenagers are. And so I guess my short pitch to other fantasy readers who may not be familiar with the Bright Sessions or anything that Lauren Shippen has done before But imagine if, say, an author like Becky Chambers took the writing prompt, the X-Men go to therapy, uh, and then spun that into a gay romance. Uh, And it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, Lauren Shippen is an incredibly talented writer, and I'm so happy that she now has the opportunity to share that with people in book form. So that's releasing from Tor Teen, already released at this point, uh, but the official release date is September 24th. Oh, and fun facts, uh, if you're an audiobook listener, uh, the voice for Caleb in the audiobook is the same voice for Caleb in the audio drama. So that voice actor will actually be performing the audiobook as well. That's Adam's cool. actor is different, but apparently both are phenomenal. You said so many words I'm interested in. <laughs> I know. Thank you, Chambers. I will get you to read this book. Well, it's not out yet, so we'll see next week. Well, okay. <laughs> it's out in like two days, so. In, yeah. Yeah, it's You in have two just days, enough time so. to finish Dark Dawn. Yeah, sure. I'll finish Dark Dawn in two days. Sure, sure. <laughs> that will happen. <laughs> um, so what do you guys like 
What aspects, what tropes do you enjoy in romance fantasy or romantic subplots? Mm. Hmm. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I am. So I mainly read. No, wait. <laughs> I have to think about it. <laughs> uh. Well, I guess before we even go into subplots, what aspects? define a book as romance like oh, that's how, how a do you good question. how do you draw the line between a book that has romance in it and a romance book um i i'm not sure i have the exact definition but uh for me romance fantasy is basically a romantic a romance book with fantasy elements in it uh, so it respects uh the structure of a romance book which means um protagonists meet other protagonists they have either internal or external tensions or both and it's resolved with a happy ending so they end up together forever or just for now so it it has to respect these uh, aspects a romantic uh, um, a book that only has romantic um, subplots without it being a romance book is a bit different in that it can be a romantic subplot, a love story subplot that doesn't end well, for example, or it's not um, a very important subplot. Uh, it's hard to see the limits and the difference between the two for some books. For example, Empire of Sand by Tasha Suri is a perfect example of this because it can be considered as um, a romantic book. The romantic relationship is extremely important. I won't spoil the ending, but the ending isn't sad, so it can be seen as a happy ending. So it can be either seen as a fantasy book with a strong romantic subplot or a romantic fantasy book. And I think Sometimes it's just about the marketing of the book. Um, some publishers uh, like would prefer to uh, to put forward the fact that it's epic fantasy rather than it's a romance for several reasons. Um, others push forward the romance aspect more. So sometimes it's about that too. What do you guys think? I find it difficult too because I... Um, so, for example, one of the books that I really like is Miranda and Milan by uh, Catherine Duckett. And that's a book uh, which I would not really know if I can call it a romance fantasy or just a fantasy novella with a really um, big romance subplot. Uh, so one of the most important things uh, that's happening in the plot is her getting um her realizing that she also like loves women and getting into a relationship with a woman but i don't know if it's a romance fantasy because there's also uh a lot of other things going on thematically uh with i don't know also miranda figuring out uh that colonialism is shit for example <laughs> that sort of thing so um yeah, she, she is. So she's kind of like getting rid of her dad's brainwashing and so on. It's based on Shakespeare's The Tempest. So it's kind of continuing the story of uh, Miranda, the daughter of the main character there, um, and how she 
changes when she gets into a a society where she isn't controlled just by her dad the whole time. But because of that, I'm really not sure if I can call it a romance fantasy, if people who really like romance fantasy would be disappointed if they read this book because there's not enough in it, or if people who don't like romance fantasy would then stay away from it. I, I don't really know, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. It's, it's the same with uh, uh, The Last Son by uh, K.D. Edwards. Uh, it's shelved in uh, romance on Goodreads. And yeah, it does have a romantic subplot that is pretty strong. Uh, but I feel like I have a hard time selling it to fans of uh, other the other subgenres uh, the book belongs to, for example, urban fantasy. So the story is uh, this crazy urban fantasy world with tarot elements, uh, with uh, Atlanteans uh, roaming the earth, with crazy magic. It's basically a mix be between Scott Lynch and Brendan Sanderson. So when I sell it like this to people, they're all, yeah, I want to hear, I, I want to read this. And then you go to, on Goodreads and you see it shelved on romance and people who don't like or don't or have like uh, prejudice against romance will be like, hmm, I'm not sure about this because yeah, it's a, it's a genre that I, genre that I don't like. It's, uh, I don't want the romance to be too present in the books I read, but the romance starts at like almost halfway through the book. So it's not really a strong aspect like it doesn't overwhelm the story but it's still considered as romantic uh, as romantic on goodreads but the goodreads shelving is a bit weird so yeah but do read it <laughs> the last song by katie edwards you have to read it it's amazing it's funny and it's romantic but not too romantic for people <laughs> who don't like that and it's uh, my favorite <laughs> My favorite urban fantasy book and one of my favorite books uh, read this year. What's to you, Travis? For me, I think the difference is along the lines of just how central the romance is to the overall story, which is really hard, like you guys have been saying, to pin down exactly because if someone's not a romance fan, just having romance in there automatically becomes the entire story for them. Uh, so if I have to hear one more, the romance was shoved down my throat comment, uh, I really don't know what I'm going to do. But so I, I think it's just, yeah, how, how well written and how central to the story it is. For me, I'm trying to think so. And again, I never know exactly where to draw the line. But an example of what I would consider a romance is The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue by Mackenzie Lee. That's definitely a um, romance. I think, okay, perfect. Yeah, that's a romance. So the yeah. romance is kind of the most important part of the plot, in my opinion. But at the same time, you've got this story that's set in the 1700s in just a slightly different world than our own. It's still Earth, uh, but there's a little bit of speculative elements in there. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away because that's part of the surprise of the book. But it's really kind of like a slice of life travelogue for the most part, where the tension starts to rise as you get farther in the novel. But the romance is in my opinion, the most central part. And I have you guys to back me up on that. So. Yeah, I, I would never have considered yes. not classing it as a romance book, honestly. What else could it be? <laughs> I mean, historical fiction, I guess, but I don't know. It's 
yeah, it's historical fiction, it's adventure YA, but yeah, it's primarily a romance book. I think the funniest thing, though, is that the sequel, uh, The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy, is uh, centered on an ace protagonist. And I feel like I've seen it shelved as a romance before, too, which is really like that makes no sense. Yeah, because... I, I'm looking at Goodreads right now, and 61 people have shelved it as a romance, um, and that's really odd because the whole point is that she's actually not interested in romantic or or sexual relationships. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know how people classify romance. Yeah. Like I said before, Goodreads shelves are just like <laughs> so strange, and uh, I guess when book one of the series romance, yeah. you expect book two to be two. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not. But it's an amazing book. Actually, I preferred it to no, Jasmine's Guys, more so cute. <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah, it's difficult because I loved Gentleman's Guys so much. But uh, Lady's Guide is mm. well, like it spoke to me <laughs> on some deep level. <laughs> okay, so I have a question about that, and correct me if I'm way off base here. <laughs> we will. <right>. So I. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, But anyways, so it's definitely not a romance, the second book in the series. Yeah. But if we're talking about the relationship being the central part of the overall plot, I think that the platonic female friendships kind of take that role. And so I can see how, especially with the first book being a romance, this platonic relationship taking the centerfold, I felt like, of the story uh, kind of has an overall similar feeling. So Mm -hmm. if you enjoy romance, you might enjoy this story, but I would definitely not classify The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy as a romance. No, I think for me, it's very, it's, I mean, I get what you mean. I totally get what you mean. But for me, the, like the, how should I put it? The squee factor is different if it's <laughs> if it's a love squee or a or a strong <laughs> friendship squee. <laughs> Let's put it like that. <laughs> and and people don't all. I mean, like you might enjoy one and you might enjoy the other, or you might enjoy both. But um, for me, they're they're quite separate. Maybe because I uh, used to read a lot of manga when I was a teenager, and you'd have like the girls' manga, which have all the like uh, like stereotypically have a lot of like relationship squee let's put it like that and then you have like the boys manga where like the again stereotypically often there isn't a romantic relationship like in something like one piece but there's a very very strong uh friendship bond and the friendship bond is like so strong that it's just as strong or even stronger than the love relationships in uh and some of the other things but they're very they're considered very distinct in some sense so for me in my head they're quite distinct but i think it's what you mean yeah, um, I would classify it as a romance, which is the pretty word invented as mm. an alternative to bromance. Uh, it should be a category, actually, um, or friendship in general, without it being too binary, bromance, romance. Uh, friendship as a category of books could be good. We don't have a lot of these. Yeah, actually, this is something that I really like. I like. <laughs> I know this is a romance topic, but I really like it when the main uh, relationship is a friendship or, or siblings or parent and child or whatever. But it's like it's a really, really strong bond. That's actually something I really, really love. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually do have a recommendation uh, for this uh, for this kind of books. It's a T. Kingfisher book again. 
It's called The Seventh Bride, and it's a retelling of Bluebird. And it's um, like I was expecting because I've I had read uh, Taking Fisher before, uh, so I was expecting romance. But it's basically uh, all these women in uh, traps inside uh, this asshole's manor, and they're <laughs> they're. Uh, like there's this sentiment and feeling of sisterhood between them and they're like ganging up against uh, the jerk who basically kidnapped them and made them um, his brides. Like, so uh, there's no romance, which was surprising for me. And I, when I like overcame the disappointment at first, <laughs> uh, I was surprised to find that I actually enjoyed that. I enjoyed having a book about uh, friendship between women and women against adversity and women building a form of sisterhood. I am going to good. buy that on Amazon right now. It costs three fifty, so good. <laughs> <laughs> buy now with one click. Yes. Good. <laughs> It's again The Seventh Bride by T. Kingfisher. She does a lot of uh, fairy tale retellings, but it's usually a romance. This one isn't. <laughs> this one is just rage and sisterhood. And some romances should have stayed like romances or romances and friendship books. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Naomi Novik. <laughs> I think it's interesting that sometimes you get kind of disappointed if you're or at least I get some disappointed if I'm uh, taken by surprise like if I thought it would just be a friendship and then halfway in the middle it turns into a romance I'm kind of mad about it uh, even if like from the beginning I knew it would be a romance I'd be really looking forward to it do you ever get that um uh, I, I'm trying to think of an example and I'm like scrolling on my Kindle at the same time when did that happen when was I disappointed about it uh I think not I, really i think i not, get not that when i when it's especially like a friendship between a man and a woman because this happens pretty rarely somehow when it's like the main focus and they're never they never get together and so you know you're really enjoying it and they have a really good thing going and then at the very end they they make out or something and it's like oh okay well <laughs> okay then <laughs> um I'm also like, but I feel like I, I feel like I have some really like something in, in mind, but now I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if I'm thinking of manga and stuff like that as well. I do have an example. I do have an example, but it's at the mm -hmm. same time, I wasn't disappointed by it. And also um, it's a spoiler. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> okay, it's, um, it's the um, Books of Babel, like uh, quartets. Mm. Yeah, you know what I what I'm saying, but I wasn't disappointed by it. it but I sense. was a little disappointed by it. I mean, um, I love it, but I'm also I'm disappointed um, by it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad, Josiah. I'm just disappointed. But I liked it. It made sense. Um, it was a normal uh, yeah. thing to happen between yeah. uh, those two specific characters. So. Pivoting in a slightly different direction, I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about uh, what are things that are commonly confused for romance, or maybe they're uh, brought up as an example by non-romance readers as excellent 
romance in the genre, uh, but that isn't really. And I guess before we go into this, I should say (laughs) we should probably try to keep this positive and maybe not uh, call out too negatively some names, um, (laughs) just since we never know who might be listening, But and it's always good to be kind. Uh, Are you thinking of something specific right now? Uh, I have a few things in mind, yeah. Um, I, I think Sarah might have quite a oh bit more Oh my god, yes. Um, I, I, I'm going to talk about the most recent one because it's, it was actually funny. It's The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. And oh my god, this book was considered as romance by so many people. So I didn't pick it, it up. It is a romance. I mean, the second one what? is a romance. It is a romance. It's, it's, it's a really fucked up romance. It's really great. But it... <laughs> I don't consider it, if, if it's fucked up, okay, it's a fucked okay, up love story, fair, yeah, it's not fair. a romance. <laughs> uh, so what happened is that um, this book was considered as a uh, romance by social media, by fans. So I see these fan arts and fan work about the two protagonists who hate each other's gods and who are supposed to be in love. So uh, what I thought the book was about was basically a girl falls in love with a fairy prince who treats her like shit, but she's still in love with him. What actually happens is that these two are uh, at war against each other and they hate, like, quotes, hate, unquote, each other. And it's actually so funny because uh, if you're not, if you don't consider it as a love of a, a, a as a uh, positive uh, example of a love story, it's so much fun to see them interact because you're not sure if they're going to kiss each other or kill each other. And the trepidation and the um, continuous, like, uh, subverted expectations is so fun. But it's not a romance. It's uh, I, I just, like, I can't imagine considering it as a romance. It's, uh, it's toxic, it's angsty it's bad but it's so fun <laughs> so that's the most recent example i almost didn't read this series because i was expecting it to be like um the bad side of romance in ya you know mm-hmm. the twilight days the toxic relationship between uh two young protagonists and that is considered as healthy and romantic but it's just abusive it wasn't like that i mean they're both assholes and it's so enjoyable to see them fight, to see them like have this kind of weird but then what's relationship. The, what's the? So that's that. I mean, it's still it's a love story, and it's I mean, it is a love story, and it's like really fucked up and toxic. Yeah. But like, what's the difference between yeah. classifying it as a romance and classifying it as a love story? I mean, I know it doesn't fit the romance like tro- tropes, um, or like it doesn't fit the romance genre in that way because it doesn't yeah. have the happily ever after. But in terms of it's well, we don't know. That's true. Well, we but don't like, know. In terms of uh, like like whether it's toxic or not i mean it could be a I, I, that that part i don't really get i mean it could be a toxic romance or a toxic love story what's the difference there when i say romance usually i think it's something that i i, I use as a differentiation between uh, a toxic relationship that is presented as romance and a genuine romantic subplot i say love story when you know, there is a toxic undercurrent and when it's an abusive relationship that is presented as a romance or at least that 
considered as romance by readers and when it's a genuine romantic relationship healthy and wholesome even if it's a little uh-huh. bit angsty I, I call it romance even uh, it's something that I do so I don't consider it uh, at all <laughs> um, holy black books as uh, romantic like at least not those books but um, I, I just call them um, is, it, is it you specific or is it an actual <laughs> thing because I don't know enough <laughs> I think it's ah, okay. no, it's me mm-hmm. specific. Uh, I don't know. For me, romance must respect the romance subplots. Um, sorry, the romance uh, tropes. Like, um, but even actual romance books, like contemporary romance or historical romances, have uh, bad romance stories. But I just like discard them and don't okay. consider them as romance at all. Okay. If it's abusive, it's not a romance. So do you guys have examples of romances that are considered as such, but that you don't think are romances? Mm. I don't know. Do you? Do you, Trap? Okay, well, I guess it's not a specific book, but one thing I notice a lot is a lot of male readers will label a book as romance or say that it has a lot of romance if there is a female protagonist and a lot of times these are books that are like epic fantasy like grand battles and very little focus on romance but because the main character is a woman and they have a romantic interest at some point in the story it'll get called a romance and so i know online you'll see lots of people looking for what books have the best romance and i'll see I don't know, uh, Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson. And yes, there is romance inside of the book, but it is about the farthest thing I can think of from a romance fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always like that. You have the f- three first examples of romance uh, in a fantasy book being Mistborn, Stormlight Archive, and maybe... Wheel of Time. <laughs> um, like uh, The Name of the Wind. <laughs> a Wheel of Time. It's a bit disheartening, but at the same time, you realize that your definition of romance might not be the same one uh, that other people might have. But uh, it... like. Mistborn generally has a uh, a romance. Like Vin and Ellen's story was one of the reasons I liked Mistborn. But it's not the example, the first book that will like cross my mind when I think of romantic books or books with a romantic subplot. I guess to be fair, Mistborn seems to be the answer to almost everything on um, on our fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. That, that is, is fair. <laughs> That's pretty fair, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but there are so many good examples out there that could um, could be a good answer. And I love how um, a lot of uh, publishers, I, I don't want to say take risks, but they they started buying and promoting uh, books with more like uh, romantic um, flavor or straight up romance books. Like for example, Tor.com uh, just recently with mm-hmm. uh, Miranda in Milan that you mentioned. 
and um, Silver oh, in the Wood book. by Emily Tesh from the same publisher. That's an adorable book. And I think uh, Tor.com is doing like so much for this subgenre recently. So uh, one thing I was scrolling down my Goodreads as we were talking to look at romance books or books with romantic subplots that I've read. And one thing I thought about was what uh, tropes do you not like in romance uh, or romantic subplots? Because I know for me, the really big one is I don't like it when there's a big age gap. And especially I know it's popular because a lot of the books which have romance subplots that I look at have that where it's like a human girl and an ancient magic thing. Um, so actually Enchantment of Ravens has that. And uh, what's it called? Um, uh, uh, the Baron of Nightingale, exactly, by uh, Catherine Arden has that, and uh, The Cruel Prince is like that. Actually, I don't know, The Cruel Prince, is, is he old or not? I never got that, or I don't remember. He might just be I'm 18 or something, sure. right? I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a brat. He's probably 18. I can't see someone being in his hundreds being so bratty. Yeah. <laughs> or like Naomi Novik or uh, City of Brass has that. And like... <laughs> yeah. No, but City of Brass, like, yeah, like, yeah, she subverts this trope a bit. I mean, I've only read the first book, but in the first book, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely there. Or, um... I don't know. Uh, I mean, what, what are your thoughts about this particular trope? Because it seems to be pretty common. I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't hate it because uh, I know it's a bit weird sometimes because you have a teenager and basically an immortal who has lived like hundreds of years. And it's, it's a bit strange and it's a bit yucky. Uh, but sometimes mm. it's done well. Uh, like uh, Gods of Shade and Shadow by Sylvia uh, Moreno Garcia. Was, uh, I thought it wasn't. Yeah, well, uh, sort of. Like, they do share something. <laughs> I don't want to get into specifics a because kiss. that would be spoiling. <laughs> they share something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they share okay. something that is not a sandwich, okay? <laughs> Uh, she okay. does that extremely well. The, the way it's presented, you have... Um, if, I, okay. if I explain it, I will spoil it, but it's done well. I was weirded out by it from um, the uh, Nevernight uh, trilogy. Which but, mark, which mark um, has it too? CL Pulse? Yeah. Which mark? It was... Which mark? Which yeah. Yeah, but oh yeah, which mark? Yeah. I don't know, for me, it's just which always like a little skeezy because it's it's like sometimes it's done well and sometimes I really like it. I mean, like I said, I really like Enchantment of Ravens and I mean, um, Bear in the Nightingale. I really love, but it's I don't know. My first reaction is always like, oh god, no, this poor young person. Yeah, and and Not what again. is he seeing her when she's so young? And I don't know. <laughs> It's just uncomfortable, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can yeah. be, but again, it can be done extremely well. In Sword Heart, it's one of the reasons I thought you wouldn't like it is because there's a huge age gap. But um, the way it is presented, the way it's written, it's 
like with most troops, uh, mm-hmm. I usually can't say I hate this troop because I always find another or two who yeah, that's do true. it extremely well. Yeah, actually, I'm like, I'm I'm trash for that book. Like, I love the, I know that I say it's really like unhealthy or whatever, but I think it's really, it's really good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is there more of the really unhealthy stuff between Dara, uh, Dara and her? No, that's the fun part. I yeah, won't I really, say more, I but love that. no. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, it's so unhealthy and I'm so into it. <laughs> he's like he's like ready to kill himself for her and she's like ready to I don't know whatever she's like way younger than him. It's unhealthy on so many levels. <laughs> I know, I know. Pick a side, Genial. Do you like it or do you not? I like it because it's like it's really fucked up. Like if it's if you're gonna do it, then I want it to be like, but you know what I mean. Like I don't want it to be like, well, it's cute, and but it's treated like normal. Except he's five hundred and she's twenty two. But I just want it to be like, no, everything about it is bad, but also it's really hot. <laughs> sometimes you want the fluff. Sometimes you want the fucked up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. How about you, Trav? So I, I don't know about like big age differences really getting me that much. Something that I'm not entirely sure how I feel about is when there's, say, a big power difference between the mm-hmm. characters. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because, yeah, I don't know. Part of it, and a lot of times it can be done well over the course of the relationship, but at least the initial part of the relationship always feels a bit off to me if there's a big power imbalance. Yeah, definitely. I get you. Yeah, yeah. I guess like if if the older character was like five hundred, but he was just a human who was five hundred years old, <laughs> and that like also her teacher or her mentor or yeah, whatever, it's... then it wouldn't get me that much. Yeah, yeah. Another thing about Ghosts of Jade and Shadow, it's that like it's between the romance, like romance. I'm just it's not a romance, but. It's also a romance. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's between a god and a mortal, but the god is really uh, weakened, and the mortal mm-hmm. is the one who helps him, uh, like find his power back. So it's they're not there's there isn't the usual unbalance of power that you may find in this kind of relationship. So it's pretty good. Man, I'm I'm just going down my my Goodreads and thinking, what books have I read which are like romance fantasies which don't have an immortal dude as the as the love interest? Well, um, <laughs> uh, uh, what was a book by Adrian Tchaikovsky called? Oh my uh, god, yes, Guns of the Dawn. That's yeah, a Guns wonderful the... romance. Yeah. But he's also older than her. He well, was her dad's not... friend. Yeah, but he's not he's an immortal. He's 10 or 15 years yeah, older than her. Yeah, yeah. In fantasy years, it's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dog years, right? In fantasy years, like everything's different. Exactly. Uh, I can think of a lot of books that don't have the immortal slash mortal relationship. Um, 
right now I'm scrolling my my Kimbo yeah. <laughs> like really um like because uh, like Heart Strikers I think uh, by Rachel Aaron that's a really cute romance and I think that one is actually really well developed over the course of five books he's an immortal but he's only 21 or 22 and she's like the same age or maybe even like a year older or, or something or younger. Um, so at some point, eventually they would turn into this. But during the current times, they're they're the same age. <laughs> well, not to be too dark, but with that set up at some point, the one person just dies. There's never really a big age gap. <laughs> Yes, it's <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, but like so the sequel series is set 20 years in the future um and he so he doesn't age and so but she does and so it's kind of like actually it's a really big like angsty plot point between them that like they're sad that you know she will age and he won't and like but they will they manage to make it work and stuff like that. Can't he just transform her into a dragon? No, it's not like vampirism. You can't bite her. <laughs> you breathe fire into her and she becomes a dragon. I haven't mentioned uh, KJ Charles yet. Oh my god. <laughs> Give me a reason to mention her. Quick, please. Um, yeah, so uh, just out of the blue, I'm going to talk about KJ Charles. <laughs> Um, there's this series of hers called um, Charm of Magpie series, and it's basically a trilogy with a few short stories, and it's historical romance uh, with the, with a lot of uh, fantasy elements. Like it's set in England in the 19th century. You have this uh, lord who is uh, subject to dark. Um, like suicidal ideation, so um, uh, probably a few cancer warning at the first part of the, the first book. Um, and he calls a basically a wizard <laughs> who is going to try to find out who cursed him. So the the lord and the wizard have a huge a gap in power on the paper. Like he's mm-hmm. a an earl, I think, if I remember correctly. And the, the the other dude, the one with the power, is just a nobody. Except that the nobody can destroy the Lord. Like, literally destroy him with his power. So there's a gap in social standing and in money and in uh, privilege. But uh, he can reduce him in dust. So power rebounds. Yeah, I do like that sort of thing. Like like with with the captive prince thing by C.S. Oh, yeah. uh, Packet, yeah, yeah. Like there's also the yeah. fact that he's physically stronger, but then the other guys, uh, like like actually his owner in the first book. <laughs> so it's really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my god! If ever there was a gap of like enjoyment <laughs> of books in a series. The Captain Prince trilogy takes the cake because, oh my god, I really disliked so much in book one, and book two and three were my favorites. Like, among my favorites ever. (laughs) Such a weird series. It's like it wasn't written by the same person. (laughs) But I know you like book one. I thought it was pretty good. I didn't love it. Actually, the first time I read it, I stopped reading it, but that was back when it was coming out. Um online 
and I was reading it as it was going and then I was kind of like, ah, this is really not my thing. The love interest is like really cruel. I don't like it. Um, but then the second time I read it, I was like, yeah, this is fucked up. Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, so well, it's the, yeah, the balance between the, um, the fucked up and the fluff is pretty well done in the second and third book. Yeah. And even more so in the short story epilogue, uh, epilogue yeah, about the Summer Palace, which is amazing. <laughs> uh, I love this book so much. Um, but in the first one, it's just so dark and fucked up. You see, oh. I think what I'm getting from this is that I either like it to be like really, really, really cute and nothing else, or I like it to be like really, really, really fucked up. Yeah. And there's nothing in the middle. (laughs) Me too. When you hear me talking about my favorite characters, they say, oh, he's so cute, or oh, he's such an asshole. I love him, I love her, I love them. It's usually him for some reason. I should like. uh, uh, I should. studied that in me why are all my assholes male yes <laughs> internalized misogyny perfect pull quote for the episode why are all my assholes male <laughs> no context <laughs> um, yeah uh, between the wholesome and the completely fucked up there is probably some middle ground uh but uh, let's talk about the wholesome ones because i'm sure we have a few more examples to give of wholesome love stories and my kindle is updating right now (laughs) (laughs) okay today it's conspiring against me um i have a recommendation for a super wholesome series uh, which is by Stephanie Burgess, uh, spell, uh, spellbound. No. Yeah. Spell. Oh my god. Snow spelled. Oh my god. Okay. Let's try it again. Snow spelled by Stephanie Burgess. Uh, and then Thornbound, the sequel, and then there's a prequel. Which. I um. Spell swept. Spell swept. Yeah. And it's a uh, second. The first one, Snow Spell, Snow Spell is a second chance for a romance story, which is my favorite trope in romance. Um, and it's about um, former uh, magician, female magician, who lost her power, and it was this huge trauma in her life, and she's stuck in in a, a like house party with her ex fiance. And there is like fairy in- intervention and like shenanigans, and she's trying to find a new meaning to her life now that she doesn't have any more power, and she's trying to reconcile with her ex. And it's it's so sweet. It's uh, one of the sweetest book I've read, and it's a novella, so it's a pretty quick read. What do you have in terms of wholesome, Shania? <laughs> Uh, okay, what about uh, Tournament of Losers by Megan Zara? Oh, yeah. yeah! Yeah! That book is so cute, and um, <laughs> it's it's really just cute. It's, uh, 
It's about this guy who is, um, he's really down on his luck. He has no money because he keeps having to pay off his dad's gambling bets and stuff like that. And there's a tournament that goes on every few years or every once in a while where people compete and whoever wins the tournament gets to marry the the, the prince or princess a royal this in this time this time it's a prince and the people who compete they all because they all have to take time off work to compete the main character uh is like okay well i might as well do it to get like some funds um but then there there's like a clause uh which you, which says that you have to like try to continue so he's like okay whatever i'll just compete and then i'll get kicked out it's fine and then as he competes in this turn tournament, um, he kind of ends up, you know, like doing well and having to go on to the next round and so on. And it's just really, really, really cute. It's really um, predictable in a way. I mean, you know what's going to happen. You know that the mysterious stranger he meets at the beginning is probably going to end up being someone important but it's just it's just really a kind story where it's this guy who really has a really tough life and he manages to uh to to do well in this tournament <laughs> um yes i really really recommend it it's also a very quick read um i'm not sure if it's a novella or if it's just short but um that is that that is that uh it's um it's a queer romance so yeah yeah it's only 220 pages Oh, it's so sweet. I love it. Yeah. Actually, what I really liked in that book, again, somehow in a lot of romance books, what I really like is the non-romance relationship as well. So over here, he doesn't really have any strong friendships, but he just has like these casual buddies who he hangs out with sometimes. And he like keeps running into them in the tournament because they're also like, hey, I can get some cash. And I just, I realized that this is missing in a lot of fantasy stories where you don't really have like the, like the, the protagonist's, friends who are just like you know his drinking buddies or her or her friends from gardening club or whatever you know <laughs> like it's either like a friend for life or or no one and so or i think nemesis. this is what yeah exactly so i think more <laughs> books should have that <laughs> yeah um anyway what about you trav <laughs> i actually have what i think is a great example of a wholesome romance um so i hesitate to strictly label this series of books as romance because it really does have more to it than just that as the main plot but i think it still counts uh the raven cycle by maggie stiefvater um so it starts out and it feels like you can kind of tell the direction that it's going and you're not wrong necessarily uh but as especially once you get into the second book and the third book you almost get like a love rhombus or a love trapezoid going on uh, where people kind of realize who they thought they had feelings for. It was more of a platonic relationship that they were pushed into. And you've got people realizing that they are actually queer. Uh, and so they form relationships that they weren't expecting to form. And it gets really sweet and really romantic the longer the series goes on. So yeah, I would recommend The Raven Cycle by Maggie Stiefvater. I should continue the series because I started with the first book that I, well, didn't like, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, I have the second one, so I need to give it another try. 
Uh, did you listen to it on audio or did you read it in print? No, I've read it in, uh, in print. Okay, I, I will say, if you give it another chance, if you can listen in audio, please do. Because the narrator is probably my favorite narrator of any audiobook ever. Will Patton just is incredible. Uh, that's all I can say. Yeah, sometimes the narrator can make book like more enjoyable than it could have been in print. Should we also say our most favorite fucked up romances? <laughs> I'm worried about you, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the um, the romance we we hate to love like we're the guilty pleasure of romance. I have none of those. I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But honestly, to be completely honest, um, <laughs> in the Cruel Prince, let's just say I like them together. Like they're awful. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But I, I really root for them. I'm rooting for them now. The third book, I'm expecting a happy ever after. Okay, that I'm not expecting. I'm expecting death. Uh, <laughs> By the time this podcast comes out, the third book will probably be out. It comes out on yeah, October, I November, think. November. Or November? November. Yeah, November. Yeah. Uh, the Queen yeah. of Nothing, which yeah. is so ominous in the title. So yeah, it's uh, the relationship is fucked up, but I, I'm rooting for them. <laughs> I shouldn't. Um, I I really like of a fucked up romance. I really like um, the Queen's Thief series by Megan Whalen Turner. Um, so the first book doesn't have a romance. It's like a middle grade book, and then the other books are all YA. And the second book has the like when they get together part of the romance, and then the rest of them they're already together. Uh, and uh, because the second book wasn't available in, in Germany where I was at that point, for some reason I had to start with the third book. So I only knew the characters as together, so going back to read when they get together is kind of odd. But anyway, um, uh, the point is that one of the characters has like the other character's hand cut off because of like some weird crazy like shit that's going on and so then the character whose hand was cut off he has like PTSD from it basically and so the relationship is like really fucked up and it's really great <laughs> so everybody everybody should should check out that, that okay yeah so when they said I want to ask for your hand um, they yep. didn't mean marriage <laughs> okay cool <laughs> No, but like I actually really like it because in the other books they're already together, but their relationship, um, you know, continues. And I think it's pretty rare um, to have books where the characters are actually like together, um, yes. not getting together. Is it is it considered a romance if they're already together? No, right? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I love that you're asking me. I'm supposed you're to... the expert. <laughs> yeah, I'm not because. Um, there are, I know a lot about historical romance, especially 19th century England romance for some reason. Um, and <laughs> there are a few books, like, I think I can think of one book where the uh, protagonists are married at the beginning of the book. And it's amazing because it never happens. Uh, but, but it's still considered as a romance because it's a marriage of convenience because it's 19th century England, and then they're learning to, like, love each other and understand each other. 
and it's um it's a plot that happens a lot in HR, but um, it's it's pretty rare and almost impossible that they're married at the beginning of the book or together at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's not romance. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, is I <laughs> mean, I don't know how I, I does like it counts. This. Yeah. Well, let's just say the love relationship in um, the Queen's Thief series is uh, really fun. And then not not classify it. <laughs> not taking any risk with classification. So we talked about a lot of tropes that we enjoy or don't enjoy in romance. Do you guys have any more of those? Favorite tropes, favorite themes in romantic books? Uh, what about love triangles? Only if they end up as a threesome in the end. <laughs> Does that ever happen, though? I think, uh, well, it doesn't fanfic, so... <laughs> I was hoping for it in Dark Dawn, but yeah. But yeah. It happens It happens in uh, fifth season. <laughs> but, for a time, um, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think it, it does. Lasts. I mean, it's 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 actually kind of healthy while it lasts. Yeah, it never happens though. Yeah, um, love triangle. I will say that uh, it's <laughs> it's something that has been um, criticized a lot. Uh, I don't enjoy it because. What happens when with a love triangle is the, uh, I feel like the authors can get lazy and uh, build the entire um, drama and the entire um, interests of their book around who are they going to end up with. And they drop the other plots and they drop so many other interesting things. And sometimes it can be just uh, confusing. For example, in Stormlight Archive, I didn't like it. Because it didn't make sense. Um, Kaladin belongs with Adolin, obviously. So, <laughs> <laughs> love triangle resolved. Okay. Damn it, Brandon. <laughs> um, so, kind of for me, I, I can either really like or really dislike love triangles. And I'm not saying the difference uh, has any objective definition whatsoever, uh, but my personal preference is if conflict and tension lead to the love triangle rather than the love triangle being the source of the conflict and tension. Exactly. Uh, so if something happens that are outside of the protagonist's control, uh, like maybe they think that uh, their former love interest has died or certain situations have separated them and they fall in love with someone new but then their old partner comes back into their life that i enjoy a lot more than say the stereotype uh three high school students and it's just a will they won't they they're both hot kind of thing for me i just don't like it because i i feel bad for the loser (laughs) Like that's my main objection. I just feel really bad for the person who who doesn't get the guy or the girl at the end. So that's why I think it has to be resolved with a threesome, even if it's just <laughs> in uh in our hearts. <laughs> or in fan fictions. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, so you said uh fan fiction that's actually 
relatively common. Are there any fan fiction romance examples you want to highlight? Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that sounds ridiculous to me. But <laughs> um, yeah, let me go in my AO3 and check out some uh, some good shit. No, there's, there's just so much of it. Uh, so, for example, wait a second. Let me let me go down my list. Uh, so, for example, oh, and hang on, real huh? quick. Yeah. Uh, I want to interrupt. Uh, so, speaking of Ao3, congratulations on being a Hugo winner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Oh no, you didn't, Trump. You didn't. <laughs> In fact, I've written three something before myself. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, okay, I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't want to share. I, I don't want to share that I'm into this. So let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> this is so no- okay with saying the more fucked up, the better. In romance, age gaps are like dog years. <laughs> this is too far. <laughs> okay, no, be, I don't want to be judged by people. <laughs> this is no well, judgment. Tell us. I can yeah. always edit it out. Well, okay. Um, I mean, I'm also kind of like, what would make sense to you? Because there's a lot of, for example, like in the Queen's Thief trilogy, uh, trilogy, Queen's Thief series, there's uh, like, there's a thing between the two, the two married people, the one with the cut of hand, and also a, like, they're, like, they're both royalty. And then there's also like their guard, uh, who's like, a, like the, like a, a lieutenant in their guard. And he's the main character in one of the books. And so like, there's a lot of like, really hot, fucked up stuff there, because he, he's like, He's like really loyal to them, and it's like it's nice. Um, and then there's <laughs> this should really not go into the final podcast. <laughs> uh, maybe I just yeah, won't yeah, cut yeah. it out. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. Uh, there's just uh, a lot of a lot of uh, manga stuff that I'm going down the list for. But basically, any relationship where you can imagine where there are there is a love triangle, there's good there's good fic on Ao3 to make it into um, all of them getting together in a poly relationship. It's uh, you just have to search for it, and it's really easy to find the tags. Everything is tagged very well on Ao3, which is why they got the Hugo. Um, no, you oh, got the I got the Hugo. The Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's like, for example, in Road to El Dorado, there's, you know, those three dudes, Miguel, Tulio, and Shell. I'm just randomly finding a fanfic that I saved where they're together. <laughs> uh, Leverage. Um, do you guys watch Leverage? You yeah. watched, you, you remember Leverage that you didn't watch. I, no, I, I've heard of it the first time, I think, oh, okay, two yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, it's not fantasy. It, I started like it's not fantasy. I started a few minutes of it. Uh, the background music. Oh no! What? But it's not always there. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's almost really? always I... there. Just yeah. I never yeah, noticed it. <laughs> like there's this um, early, <laughs> early um, 2000s uh, kind of. Uh, okay. TV it's, that's show definitely feel true. To it. 
um, leverage in case this part yeah. gets actually in the final podcast. Leverage is a uh, is a TV series which is like a heist TV series. Every episode is about these uh, thieves who steal like from the rich and give to the poor sort of thing. But it's set in present time, so there's like hackers and uh, con artists and whatever. Um, and uh, it's really interesting because in the community, or or rather, the group is made out of five people, and two of them are like together from the show, like in in canon, they're always flirting and they're together. And then the other three, two of them are also together in the show um, eventually. And the whole story is like they're like is about them getting together, blah blah blah. But in fandom, I guess people feel really sorry for the third guy, the one who's left out. So it's. Like it's more common to find fanfic where it's the five people are split into like a, a two people relationship and the three people relationship than it is to find the canon couples. Um, I think it's really nice because I also feel bad for the one guy who's left by himself. Um, maybe some final recommendations. Do you guys have romance fantasy books that you haven't mentioned that you want to give a shout out at, uh, off? I'm not sure what the preposition should be here. Mm. Sure, I'll go. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is actually an audio drama, uh, <laughs> but it's called Kaleidotrope. And the basic idea is there's this radio talk show and the two hosts are kind of thrust together. One guy is very by the book. This is how we need to do our program. And the other guy is just like, what's up, listeners? We're going to have a good time. And so there's a lot of conflict between them. And they basically have a love advice radio show. So people call in and the stick of it is their high school is kind of, or maybe it's a college, is known for people who go there find their true love. And the school pushes them into romance cliches, but so they're kind of talking them through different various uh, romance cliches, different tropes, and giving them advice on how to resolve it. But over time, the two hosts are slowly falling in love with each other. So it's really cute, really sweet, kind of magical realism. Uh, whether there's actually magic involved is a little bit up to your interpretation, but it's a really great audio drama. And again, that's Kaleidotrope. Okay. Ooh, sounds good. <laughs> you should listen. Stop tempting me. I just want to give a shout out once more to Guns of the Dawn by Adrian Tchaikovsky because I find that book really romantic, even though it's primarily a flintlock. Um, and I even talked about it on the first episode that we did um, that I think it's a lot more romantic than people give it credit for. Um, but it's just... It has, it's kind of written like uh, my first historical romance a little bit. Like it has all those tropes of like their letter writing and <laughs> he is older than her because that's a thing. And um, like all of this like angsty goodness uh, where he's kind of like embittered and snarky and she's like hot headed and, and badass and they fall in love. Um, and it has some really good romantic lines in it, especially the very, very ending I found extremely romantic. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Um, I want to talk a bit about Briarly by Astro Glenn Gray, uh, which is uh, based on the premise that is 
uh, what if in Beauty and the Beast, uh, the father doesn't call uh, Belle uh, to replace him as a hostage uh, for the Beast? And basically he stays, the father stays, and he's the one who has a romantic relationship with the Beast. And it's set in um, World War II England, and the uh, father is uh, a a pastor who is bisexual. So it's so much, it's it's fun, it's very cute. Um, The romance is heartwarming and heartbreaking. Uh, And it's, I think it's my favorite Beauty and the Beast retelling. There are a lot of those. Uh, but it's uh, it's my favorite because it it feels so unique uh, and it's I didn't expect it to be funny but it's it's really funny at parts uh, so check it out it's Priorly by Astrid Glenn Gray yeah so are we wrapping up uh, uh, you should say up? something like uh, contact <laughs> us on Twitter if you want to join the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, min- mention like join the conversation Twitter and our website. <laughs> oh, and like follow and subscribe. <laughs> you no, have to say it. I don't actually have to say that. Oh my god. Um, <sighs> thank you for listening. You can join the conversation uh, by uh, following us on Twitter at the Fantasy Inn or checking out our website, thefantasyinn.com. Uh, don't forget to follow and subscribe. Thank you. Bye.